Before we begin, just a heads up that today's episode has some strong language. So if you're listening with a child present or you're at work, fair warning. Welcome to Anxiety and the Artist, the podcast that explores artist relationship with anxiety, offering insight and inspiration. I'm your host, Allison Chef. My guest today is Stacy Gallo. Stacy has been a casting director for over 20 years. Her career began when she was recruited to launch the in-house casting department for the world-renowned production company, Hungry Man. She led the department to prominence while spearheading the use of improvisation in commercials before starting her own casting company in 2008. Today, Stacy Gallo Casting is one of the premier casting offices in New York City, casting award-winning commercials, major campaigns, and innovative digital content in addition to many celebrity campaigns. Stacy, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm like, wow, I sound so impressive. Who is that? And it's like, <laughs> my mom would be so proud, but thank you for having me. So tell us a little bit about your background as an artist and your relationship with anxiety. Anxiety and I are very close. Um, so. I actually started as an actor. Um, I ended up, I went to a two-year program in the city at William Esper um, after college. And I was like, I want to be an actor. But um, through a lot of crazy <laughs> things, I ended up getting into casting at MTV. And for a very, like in a, in a crazy time back in 2000, 1999, 2000, where they had spring break. And my first job was in Las Vegas doing um, spring break Las Vegas, which I say that out loud and I get anxiety just thinking about how <laughs> I had to like there. I, I was with I was in Vegas last week with my children and I was like, I can't believe there was no Internet. or And I had to like just literally go in and out of like every hotel, find people to be in an audience to see Joey McIntyre in a cheesy show. Um, but it was so such a crazy time. And I ended up like, you know, coming back to my job, getting fired and um, taking a two year program at William Esper, which I love. But while I was there, I was simultaneously casting. And while I was casting at MTV, I ended up going to um, work for Hungry Man, which was, you know, is a big production company casting commercials, doing real people, street casting, more <laughs> anxiety inducing, like going up to strangers in Manhattan and just, you know, the nerves that that, um, you know, brought upon my, I brought upon myself. Um, but, um, so casting really became my main job focus. I, I guess I took it as a hint, like, oh, okay, you should be behind the camera. And I was like, okay, but I really, I loved it. And I was like, this is, this is my passion. This is what I want to be doing. Um, and as far as, you know, anxiety, I, I kind of sometimes group anxiety, depression, just feelings of just, you know, being overwhelmed. And I think I always had it as a, you know, even as a kid and I didn't really know what it was. I just mm -hmm. knew that I had this like, you know, really, really giant highs and then the lows are, you know, the highs are high and the lows are low. So I had, you know, big personality, but it has to go somewhere at some point, you know, so yeah. there was no label. People didn't, when I was growing up, you know, 45. So when I was in my, you know, early teen, like there was no, people didn't talk about anxiety and mental illness the way that they do now. So I just thought there was just something wrong with me, like a dark cloud that would follow me sometimes, you know? And then I was like, oh, what's this mm -hmm. thing? And it, it, I just, I just wished, I just remember being like, why can't I turn this off? 
Like, where, hmm. what is this like annoying, like little voice in my ear, making me worry about everything, making me feel, then making me feel sad. I think a lot of times the anxiety led to depression and it would just be yeah. like this, this dark cloud that, that kind of followed me. And eventually it would start to like, you know, the, the clouds would open up eventually and the sun would come out. Um, but I felt almost ashamed, almost ashamed of it. Like, I didn't know, like, what's wrong with me? Why do I have this thing? And then as I got older and I realized I could talk about it like really openly and then it would help other people if I would, I was like, oh, I'm normal. It's normal to feel like this sometimes. Right. Right. Um, so I feel like people and specifically actors could look at you and your position and think she's got it made. She's, she's in a position of power. What does she have to be anxious about? So could you maybe demystify some of those perceptions for us? First of all, I love that you were use the word demystify because I use it all the time. I teach all these classes and just when I, I always say like, I want you to feel like, forget about my title. Like that, that's all it is. It's a title. I happen to have a job. The other day I was in the grocery store and I'm wearing my hat and it, you know, I happen to have swag right before the um, pandemic hit. I ordered all these t-shirts and hats. Um, my friend Stephanie Kurtzuba, who I know you know, and I went to Vegas right before the. It sounds like I'm always in Vegas. I'm really not. Um, <laughs> we we were like, this is our year. This is gonna be great. And I ordered all these like you know hats to send to clients and T-shirts. So if you want one, I got a whole box and I will send them to you. Anyway, I'm in the grocery <laughs> store and I forgot I had it on. And this like cute little lady that I've been trying to like get to like me and be my friend, but she's like a little grouchy most times. She starts talking. She goes, "Are you in casting?" And I'm like, "How does she know that?" And I realized I had the hat on. And she was so impressed. And I was like, yeah, you know what? Like you have no, like it, it's, it sounds cool, but it's like, it's, it's a job that I ha I'm very fortunate and I love, but it's, I always try to demystify that. Like, oh, I'm a casting director. So I'm a huge bitch or like, you know, um, I think who I am or I'm a, I'm really just a frustrated actor that, you know, wishes I could, I mean, I, I love actors and I want them to feel, if, if I don't make them feel comfortable, then I'm not doing my job. So I try mm -hmm. to right away just be very real and honest and blunt, which I know mm -hmm. you know that I use that word a lot. But I just try to be, <laughs> you know, tell them personal things about me, about like how crazy my morning was or just show them that I'm just as, you know, I just happen to be, a, I'm, we're all parts of this puzzle, right? Especially in commercial casting. We're just trying to make it all work. So my job is to find great actors for whatever project I'm working on. But the only way I can do that is by being like a human being who's kind and nice and normal. Um, so, you know, anxiety, depression, all that is just a part of who I am. I think it's a part of mm -hmm. so many people and so many industries. So, yeah, I mean, I think if you read my bio, you're like, oh, she's got the life. So, again, <laughs> loving the bio, but in real life, like I'm as crazy and all over the place as anybody else, probably more so. Right. right. I think that people have this misconception that if you're in a position of power, that you no longer have the anxiety that you have when you are sort of a, subor a subor subordinate. Is that the right word? <laughs> yeah. You know uh, what I mean? Yeah. And um, I guess I don't feel like anyone is, is you know, Again, be, just because there's more actors, let's say that than there are casting directors, then it, I, I hate cattle calls or when people feel like they're just a number, and I especially hate in callbacks when 
people are treated like that. Like they're not, you know, Mm -hmm. now everything's on Zoom, so it's easier to hide it if you're not paying attention. (laughs) But I feel like (laughs) when we used to have callbacks in the studio and in the rooms, I was like, treat them like the humans that they are. It's so scary and hard to be getting up there and performing and meeting this room full of people. Like, but a lot of people let that power go to their head. And and I just, I don't know. It's just, it, it's my, I hate it. I hate that part. I hate the whole, you know, Hollywood agent, like I'm too good for you thing. Like I have no patience for it. I'm not doing it. It's not happening. And, you know, the thing is as a casting director, most of us are, are still freelance, which is also extremely mm-hmm. anxiety inducing, right? That word freelance. You're like, Oh God, when's like, so you have to remember any, la- any job can be your last job as an actor, right. as a casting director, as, as anything, you know, if you don't yeah. treat people well and stay humble, you know, then, then, you know, I never, ever want to use my title as a way to like intimidate people. Right. Well, and also to clarify for people that maybe don't entirely understand what it is you do or our business, you also have people that you have to answer to. Right. Um, that you, exactly. You're not in this ultimate position of power. Like you have to bring in and deliver, you know, a certain, you know, specs to, to your bosses. Absolutely. So, Yes. I feel like there's, you know, there's that, um, yeah, I think people like, they think like, you know, I mean, we, I always say like joking around, obviously, like we have the power to like delete your audition. So if you treat people like shit, like it's not, you know, (laughs) you don't want, they're not going to want you on set if you don't treat people well, if you, you know, if you come to the office and you're really rude to the assistant, because you think that they don't matter and, you know, we're going to find out. So it's so much better to just treat everybody the same. Like, um, but you're absolutely right. Like I have to impress, you know, again, if it's a commercial, the ad agency and the directors and make sure that they're happy and, you know, and when they think they're in a position of power too, and, you know, it's always such a pleasure when you get a director who really appreciates everybody, whether it's, Mm -hmm. you know, the, you know, the PA, the, you know, the head of the agency, the casting director, it's just, it should be. And those are the people that will continue to work. So in the spirit of, uh, of pandemics and pivoting, um, a couple of years ago, you co-created and produced a series called Blunt. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell us what inspired you to do that and what you learned about yourself as an artist and the business in the process. Um, wow. I, you know, that's, it's like my, my baby. Like I, 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 I'm still like, I'm, it's going to happen. I still feel it. It's such a, it's such a special project. It was, it was something that was born out of like my relationship with a really close friend of mine named Michelle Taus, who is an executive producer and, you know, I'm the casting piece. And then we met Stephanie Kurtzu, but I met her through casting and the three of us were just like these three moms trying to keep all the balls in the air and being like, this is so freaking hard and being really honest <laughs> and blunt. And yeah, a lot of it is based on my, my life and my crazy stories. Cause because I'm so open and honest, like in grocery stores with random ladies, like <laughs> I tend to, you know, people tell me stuff because I like, it's infectious, right? Like if I say to you, Oh my God, me too. Like I have anxiety or I, you know, sometimes like I I really need to shower today, but it's probably not going to happen or, you know, whatever bad things are going on that you feel like you don't have to be embarrassed about because you can share. So if you're blunt, other people are blunt and it's like this whole, like the blunt movement. Um, Mm -hmm. So it basically was based on this woman that leaves her job and moves across the country to be close to her best friend um, and opens a cannabis dispensary 
So while she's dispensing <laughs> weed, she's also dispensing great advice to people that are like her regulars. We were really proud of what we were able to create and the actors that we were able to get to work on it. And I did learn a lot about like different parts of the business and being on the like producing side. Um, mm-hmm. And and even even being able to like, I cast it, right? And, but I also was like able to work so closely with actors in a different way. It's, you know, mm-hmm. and we're more, more intimately, I would say. Um, but it was just, you know, I still feel really strongly about it just as far as like what the message of that show is and like how, how much I really, truly in my heart believe that it can help people. And I'm hoping that my show, our show will still ha- come alive because it, the message that we're trying to you know, share with the world. What did you learn about the sort of the business? Cause you, you, you've been in casting for so long yeah. and you sort of took on this producing role. What did you learn about the business um, um, through this process? Well, first of all, that there's so much more involved than just casting. Like I'm passionate about casting. So I feel like once you have good actors, you can do anything. Like once you have your cast, mm-hmm. but it's crazy. Like, we used Michelle's house. Like that was the location, like everything that goes into it. And just, you know, financially and just like we were making up like jars and names of like marijuana, like it just every little thing. <laughs> and, we, you know, so much of it we had to do ourselves. The best was Reefer Sutherland. I mean, I thought that was a gem. <laughs> that might have been a curse. Somebody came up with that. And it was like amazing. Um but just, you know, everything that goes into it and, and that it's so hard to sell a show and you need connections. And we're all like, you know, what we always joke about is that like Michelle's a working producer and then Steph is a working actor and I'm a working casting director. So like, let's get this done. And I think sometimes it's just, you know, we're all about like making it on our own and just like putting it out to the world. It's just, mm-hmm. again, with the pandemic, everything put like a, like a big pause on it. But I really right. like the creative part. I liked being able to do things other than casting. What did you find the whole process to sort of be empowering? And did you find, I, I don't know, I don't want to use the word control, but I'm going to use it because I can't think of a better one. Um, <laughs> did cool. you find that you were sort of able to take some sort of control over all the things that you don't have control of in this yes. business by creating your own project? Well, yeah, because we had a reading for it. Like it went through so, I mean, it's been, it's five years of just like where it started and how many different ideas, but what was so cool, what my, my first boss at Hungry Man, I'll shout him out, Steve, or- Steve Warren, who is the reason I have my own business. And like, I love him dearly. And he knows that he is actually the owner of Station Film, which is where um, Michelle works. And mm-hmm. she's a partner there. But he came to our reading, we wanted to like show him where, you know, because we had kind of pitched it to him. And I told him, I just want to let you know, and maybe this sounds kind of messed up. But I was like, I'm doing this no matter what, like whether or not, you know, and he's like, wow, you're really inspiring me because like of the, but I'm like, this is a project that I feel like so strongly about that. I, I don't want to, not that I, I don't mind, like I work for myself, but I get hired by companies and then I work for them until that project is over. But what was cool was the, the fact that like, oh, every decision is on us and we're going to say whether Mm -hmm. we want that, you know reefer Sutherland in the shot or not, or, or whatever it is. Like it was just, it was, it was an amazing learning experience. And I just remember how I felt on the day that we were shooting, like just so I'm like, I wish I could do this every day. I wish I could work with these two ladies every day. The fact that like I said, I wish I could pick 
you, you can't pick who hires you, right? Sometimes you just have to take jobs that suck. And then mm-hmm. the job's over and you're like, oh, okay, we made it through. But I was like, if I could choose to work with these two women every day for the rest of my life, I will be so happy. So it was just, it was such a great, it was, it was just such a good experience that I'm like, I need to kind of make that a reality. But then I also need to like feed my kids and keep my house. So then it's, you know, it's not as easy as it sounds like we're just going to sell it. Like there's, there's a lot involved. Right. We don't have control over, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. So how has the pandemic shaped or changed how you practice? As a casting director and as an artist. Okay. Um, this is going to, like, I don't know if I'm allowed, I don't know if I'm saying this is going to be like, I, I never, ever, ever want to be insensitive. But what I liked about the pandemic is that, like, I was running on fumes before. Like, I was mm-hmm. commuting to the city sometimes four hours a day in my car, missing out on so many things in my kid's life, even though I promised when I went into my own business, like, I wouldn't miss things. And I really tried not to, but it's impossible when you're stuck on the West side highway. And I feel like it just made me like slow down. I was kind of relieved in the beginning, like, Oh my God, the whole world's on pause. That means that I can like exhale. Right. Right. And like really enjoy my kids. I feel like so many times and my life, just like even parts of my house, I'm like, I'm sitting on a couch. Oh my God. It's soft. (laughs) I like this couch. I remember why I bought it, but like, it was like, we had permission to do that. Because it wasn't like you, there was no FOMO. My daughter's like, mm-hmm. I have FOMO, like fear of missing out on like who. And I had no FOMO because I was like, everybody else is doing it. And like, if I right. wanted to like jump on my Peloton and do it, I didn't have to feel guilty or make excuses. So I, I feel like I made myself more of a priority. And there were no, ex- I didn't have to make excuses to people. I didn't have to like say, oh, um, I'm on a conference call. I think I told you this. I was like, throw, I used to like, when my kids were younger, I would like hide outside my minivan and just like keep throwing more goldfish at them. And I was like, here, you're fine. (laughs) Mommy's on a call. Now it was like, oh, everybody's in the same boat as me that they have to feel like we're all at home. We're all trying to make it work. Oh, when sometimes when you work from home, people say you work more because you're home and you're on your, and it is like we're on our computer or our our cell phones 24 seven. And we're like, that's, that's tough. Is that expectation of like, it's Sunday at three. Why aren't you answering my email? Well, mm-hmm. I'm at a basketball game. I don't want to. Tomorrow I open. Right. I'm at 7-Eleven. Like I don't, I don't have a Slurpee here and I don't, I'm not open 24-7. But so I did, but I really did like that. And I felt like it did make me better at my job and that I'm like more focused. And, and like sitting at the table and eating dinner with my family and playing poker with gummy bears. Like it was just, <laughs> there's things about it like I really, truly miss, you know, but Something that I say all the time about the pandemic is that this did not just happen to me. This happened to everybody. The whole world was affected. So when people act like it's just happened to them, they need to like chill out for a second and realize like everybody was affected by it. So it's so much better to just kind of like relax, like everything will work out. It's going to be okay, you know, and just kind of seize the moment more than people ever did before. Yeah, I I feel like we all... I can't speak for everybody, but that was a huge takeaway for me was just having, not juggling five jobs and the craziness of of all of it and and being like, I'm going to be in the moment and I'm going to focus on this one thing, which is like insane. You know, prior to that, it was just, 
you couldn't give all of your attention to one thing because you were too busy hustling to get the next thing, you know? It's like we've gone kind of back to the crazy scheduling. Like, you know, even with my kids, like five basketball games in a weekend or baseball, whatever sport, or just over signing up and not feeling like we have any time for ourselves. But like, I do realize like last week, especially being on vacation with them and being like, I'm on a horse in the desert with my family and I'm going to just be here. I liked that I had no cell service because I was like, and I didn't feel any guilt about the fact that I took days off, which it used to be like, oh, I'm taking a vacation. Like almost like I had to apologize for it. So I mm-hmm. think the pandemic told me, like taught me to just kind of like slow down, like slow down. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. So what advice would you give to an artist that is struggling right now? I mean, <clears throat> I think it's so important to just just talk. Like, it's don't hide it. Like, talk about it. I mean, that's always what kind of helped me is when I found other people like me that had this mm-hmm. the dark cloud thingy. And I had a really close friend in college who also suffered from it. But we'd both be like, what is this thing? We didn't understand it. Even though there were, right. like, labels for it. But talking to her and having her, it was like there was no judgment because she's like, I get it. Me too. It's kind of that whole blunt thing that I've been telling you about. Like, if you talk about it, you might help somebody else. Like, talking about what medication I take and not being ashamed of it and saying, you know, I think a huge problem, and we're all guilty of it. You know, I can't speak for everyone either. But it's like, (laughs) you know, what you see on social media and celebrities. And I was even talking about, like, fitness instructors yesterday because we worked on a project where there was like a, you know, you know, all these fitness instructors on in these different companies become like kind of famous, but they're all so obsessed with themselves that they, yes. they get they, like <laughs> constantly on their in, Instagram on set, like can't get out of their own way. And it's like, they are as insecure as the rest of us and overwhelmed and anxious, but they'll, you know, all these people that post like how great their lives are, I guarantee that they're struggling in some way, shape or form, just, just the way the rest of us are. So it's almost better to like, if you're, if you're struggling, like take yourself off of social media, if you can, for that time. Like, I think just don't, cause it's just, it's just a time filler. It's a way to just like avoid what's really going on. And I'm guilty of it. I do it all the time. But like yeah. now this is like a little story I wrote down. Cause I was like, I am this, you know, I'm very outgoing, like, you know, always, have something to talk about. But then there's these times where I become like a little bit more of an introvert, which I never thought I was, where I just kind of need to be by myself. And that's Mm -hmm. weird. I I always had a hard time with that, you know, because then you're forced to look at your feelings. But I would call it like the CVS moment where I spend an abnormal amount of time in CVS, like, or Target, you know, those type of places (laughs) and buy crap I don't need. But when I would get depressed or anxious and I would get into like the slump, I wouldn't want to even go like buy toothpaste at CVS if I needed it or just be out in public because I didn't want the per- checkout person to look at me and know that I was struggling. I would have this, that would be always like, I'm like, I'm not leaving my house because I can't even go to CVS without feeling like I might cry in front of people or just they're looking at me and I feel uncomfortable. And I just, I feel like it, it was, I didn't want the world to see how sad I was feeling. It's, and it's, it's sad because you, but now what I do is I'm like, I feel like shit today. So I'm going to stay home. I'm going to watch Clueless for the 900 millionth time because that's <laughs> what's going to get me a little, that's what's going to get me to feel a tiny bit better. Like my mm-hmm. friend from college, she always would watch Footloose. And we would talk about like, what is a tiny little thing that would make you feel better? You know, right? I mean, 
Sometimes for me, it's just going and getting a peppermint patty. Like whatever little (laughs) thing is going to bring you joy in that moment that you're going to, you can't force yourself to feel better. You can't hit a light switch and be like, oh, I don't want to be anxious. So I'm just not going to be like, that would be amazing. If I, you know, if I could just switch it on and off, then, you know, obviously none of us would choose to feel that way. It's not a choice. So you might as well take baby steps sometimes to just be like, you know what, I got to do what I got to do. Whether it's, you know, if you need to call your therapist or you need to, you know, meditate. I told you I quit meditating because it was like stressing me out. Stressing you out? (laughs) Yeah, it was stressing me out. But I like every so often now, like when I feel like doing it and I'll be like, oh, remember to breathe, like tiny little things. And I'm like, you know, I'm open to things. I'm open to trying things. But I think the most important thing is to just like stop being so hard on yourself. Like that little, the little voice Uh, that little person on your shoulder that's like making you feel bad or like just make you already feel crappy so that you gotta like quiet the voice you know that's telling you you know and I have this motto I say in my class all the time which is like you are enough I didn't invent it but I act like I did because I I just (laughs) I, I also got a bracelet of it but I say it all the time to these actors that are like you know especially with commercial acting, like we want you to just talk and be yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's like, Oh, let me put on this crazy performance and try to sell you Tide Pods. Like, I don't want you to sell me anything. I just want you to have a conversation with me. You are enough. Your personality, who you are is enough. I try to bring that like, so I'll remind myself in those moments, like, all right, whatever I need to be doing today is enough. I'm enough. Right. So it's, it's, it's hard to, to adapt that and, and take that on in your life. But I think it's, it's, we, we put it on a sweatshirt too. So it's um, also more swag that, um, is available. That didn't. So you have a sweatshirt that says you are enough. I have a sweatshirt that says you are enough. And also one that says, keep it snappy. I love that. Isn't it? it? Yeah, I do. A sweatshirt that says you are enough. Um, and, and a lot of notebooks that I bought in this other favorite store of mine that I love. Amazing. And it's called Amazing Savings. It's just weird that you said that. But it is. And all the notebooks say you are enough. And I write in them while I'm teaching. And every so often, I'll hold up the title of the notebook. And I'll say, "What are, are you being yourself right now? And they'll be like, oh, I feel like I'm putting on. I'm like, right, just talk to me. Who are you talking? Just talk to me. Be you. Right? That's the message. <laughs> right. Awesome. Stacey, thank you so much for being here today and for sharing your experience. It's so appreciated. This was so fun. I want to, like, come back every day. I appreciate you having me. I was so thrilled to be able to be a part of this. So I loved it. Thank you. That's our show for today. Thanks for listening. And thanks to my guest, Stacey Gallo. For more information, please check out our website, anxietyandtheartist.com and join our community on Instagram. If you liked what you heard, tell a friend. Until next time, be healthy and stay creative. This podcast represents the opinions of Allison Chef and her guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only. And because each person is so unique, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. Anxiety in the Artist is produced by Grosta Productions and recorded at Homestead Studios. Sound editing and engineering is by Bosco Chef. Our marketing guru is Ben Nissen. Our theme song is composed and performed by Bosco Chef.